0: Smack in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, where the Lord Jesus is uh, explaining to his Jewish listeners. uh, Number one, uh, Matthew again is focusing on Jesus as that Jewish king who has come to fulfill all the Old Testament scriptures and uh, the expectation that God had prophesied about him to uh, get on the throne in that Jewish kingdom that has been promised that would last forever, that throne of David here on earth. And um, Jesus has been stepping back and trying to give them some instruction about uh, the difference between what they have done with the commandments versus what he, the king, and what God himself from the beginning planned for those commandments to me. Okay, and we talked last week a little bit about this, and we're going to review it, because that's where Jesus has us in this, in this passage, is that it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts that make you a good Christian. It's not a list that it says, okay, as long as I do this and I do this, and I don't do that and I don't do that, I'm all set. That God is very careful to say that never been the design. Okay, and we're going to look at that a little bit closer. But I want to start out today again reminding us that the the theme for today's lesson, we've talked last week about what about the law. Jesus says, okay, I came here not to dismember, not to destroy, not to turn away the law, but I came here to complete it, to fulfill it. Okay, so we asked that question last week what about the law? And Jesus went on very carefully saying, listen, the law was here to teach us that we couldn't measure up to God's standard. Okay, that's why the law was here. I didn't come here to destroy that. I came here to remind you that those pointers I gave you weren't just external behaviors. Okay? There was something internal that he wanted from us. Uh, Thou shalt not kill, we're going to look at today. It doesn't just mean if you take a life. Okay, I have never killed anyone in my life yet. Um, I have a list. Come check what number you are. Uh, anyway, um, okay, I've not done that yet, so I can say uh, I'm all set with God. Isn't God happy with me because I haven't killed anyone? Okay, I haven't wrapped my hands around somebody's neck and just no. Um, the issue is what have I thought in my heart? And we're going to deal with that a little bit more today. God, we're going to look at next week some more stuff where jesus says uh you know it says thou shalt not commit adultery okay well i never touched another woman yeah but he clarifies that and says yeah but if you lusted after someone else in your heart you've already committed adultery it's not exactly the physical activity the outward expression of what we he's talking about it's the inward thoughts of our hearts and our minds And Jesus is trying to confer that. The Old Testament sets up ground rules, it sets up standards, and we talked about that, right? That there are absolute standards in this world. Okay, it is. That is not right. See, there's an absolute standard. It is 1102. Okay, according to my cellular device, which are pretty close to the Greenwich Mean Time, and we have an atomic clock that tells us what time it is right now, don't we? Okay, that way, you know, we're all not getting up going, oh, it's 8 in, in the morning. No, it's 11. Okay, we have GPS we talked about last week that I remember was uh, talking TomTom and some of these Garmin things when you brought to the end of the road down here to go to Bethel Bible Church, they'd have you turn the wrong way. Okay, and how frustrating it was to say, wait a minute, I know it's right there. Okay, there are absolute standards in this world and God has established those Okay, but just fulfilling those absolute standards to the letter of the law isn't what Jesus wants from people who are believers, people who are in his kingdom. There's much more to it than that, and that's where Jesus focuses. So, with that in mind, we're looking at the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law, meaning there is a letter of the law it's specifically spelled out, the standard But if we're not taking it, understanding what the spirit, what the meaning behind what that law stood for, we're missing the boat, and that's what Jesus is doing. Now, I gave you the phrase again that I was hoping we'd begin to put into your mind. God is more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. There are millions of people in churches right now as we speak who live a life day by day of just doing what God wants them to do. I don't swear, I don't do this, I don't do that, I give money, I do that, and aren't I all set? But the rest of their life, they're not within, are concerned about their heart attitude. Now, I have three children. And I'm not going to talk about them, because two of them are here, and I don't want to do that. No. Um, But you know a child, I used this example last week. You could tell, uh, when I was teaching at the school, it was the same way. You tell a child, sit down. And that child... And sits down. And inside, they're not sitting down. Okay, they may be on the seat, but they are so rebellious, and so they still have an attitude that you know that they physically are obeying. Okay, how many of you, (laughs) I had a sibling, um, and a mom or dad were driving in the car, and the the parent says, don't touch your brother. Okay, and you know what happens now, don't you? Okay, Derek's doing it. Okay, here's your brother. I'm not touching him. Stop it, I'm not touching you. I said don't touch you, right? You're physically not disobeying the command. The command was don't touch. You're not touching, you're just about as close as you possibly could get. And the attitude is not right. The attitude, the the issue of not touching your brother is not that you're making physical contact with them, it's stop pestering them. Right? I'm not touching them. Okay? Don't run in the house. I'm not running, I'm skipping. Come on, you guys know this, don't you? We as human beings are famous for this. We will come as absolutely close to the line as we possibly can without stepping over it. And God said, this is not how I want you guys to live. It's not about don't touch. It's not about don't run. It's about a heart attitude inside. And that's why this phrase, God is more interested in you being who he wants you to be, not just doing what he wants you to do. So the second phrase here is the Christian teaching here is a Christian can now live in the spirit of the law from the inside because his character has been transformed. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, right? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, just, not just don't touch, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what's awesome? God doesn't want to make a better Craig. He wants to make me completely different. He doesn't want me just to act like a Christian on the outside. He wants me to be a Christian on the inside, and then I'll naturally do what a Christian would do on the outside. But too often in churches around, there are people who conform the outside. Remember we read that about the Pharisees? They were really good at that. And Jesus looked at them and said, you guys are like whited sepulchers. You guys know what that? Uh, um, you know what an urn is? Okay, You put ashes in. I go down there to the the, um, funeral home now and then, and you walk into the office, and they have all these nice decorative ones. You can get really manly-looking ones that have, you know, deer and all kinds of stuff on, and made out of oak and all that. Or you can get these flowery-looking ones that are all pretty. But in the big picture, they're still full of dead man's bones, and that's what Jesus said. He says, "You guys look awful pretty on the outside, but on the inside, you're just full of dead man's bones." And Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount is focusing on, guys, stop prettying up the outside and start working on the inside. If a person in my kingdom, if you're going to follow me, I am your Messiah, you ought to be living your life from the inside out. And that's one of the things when we focus on discipleship. It's easy. I was talking to my father-in-law yesterday about signing the paper, handout at church. Okay, the paper says, I a member of Bethel Bible Church, will not attend a movie. Check. I will not smoke, check. I will not drink, check. I will not do this, check. I will not do this. Signed by Craig Fisher, handed over to the pastor. Aren't I such a good Christian? I signed a piece of paper. God is so impressed with me. No, God wants to know you're serving him because you love him and you want to do those things. Who's double-checking you now? Oh, just all the people around here at church. Oh, you know what? I forgot to wear a tie this morning. Oh, I'm down a couple pegs spiritually god is interested in us from the inside out so with that in mind keep going next slide oh matthew here in verse 20 this is what jesus was saying i say unto you except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the pharisees you shall not in um shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven so jesus is looking around saying folks You see these scribes and Pharisees, they keep every bit of the law. They tithe of the mint from their garden. Every little thing, they keep the law to the T. Unless you can go do better than them, you're out of luck. Because nobody could. Because keeping the law was never meant to show us how good we are. Keeping the law was meant to show us how bad we are. Now, we can sit here and list off all the things in the law, but I'll say it again. We do this all the time. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? How many of you keep the Ten Commandments? There's just ten of them, and we can't do it. Those Ten Commandments were not there to remind us how good we need to be. They're reminding us we can never be good enough. So Jesus is saying, listen, here's the law. Even the Pharisees do their best to keep it, and nobody's going to do it better than them. You still mess up. You're never going to, you know, come to God's standard of perfection. I mean, I know I'm perfect, but you guys, ask my wife, you know, it's, I am not perfect. Never pretend to be perfect. We're never going to do that. We can't. It wasn't so that these list of laws so that we would act like good people. It was so that inside we would realize God has a standard and I need to try my best to be what he wants me to be. All right. No Jew could. Keep going. First Corinthians, I love this verse. I'm a mess, you're a mess, we're all a mess. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. Sounds like a country song. We're never going to live up to God's standard. We can't. But you know what's great? He made him, that is Jesus in the context... God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm never going to be able to cut it, but that's the awesome thing about Jesus and his sacrifice. Jesus took our sins on the cross and handed us his righteousness. How awesome is that? What an exchange. So I'm not perfect. I'm not going to be perfect, but you know what? Jesus is perfect. So when it comes to exceeding the righteousness of the Pharisees, I don't have to try to do that because I never could. All right, you with me? All right, you know why I say that, right? Uh, We're all together seeing what God's word says, right? All right, only by trusting Jesus as Savior could a person receive righteousness. Keep going. Now here it comes. Jesus uses six illustrations. We're not going to go through all of them today. We don't have the time this morning. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at these. But in this chapter, as Jesus is laying out these tenets of the kingdom, if you're going to be one of the members of my kingdom, one of the believers, one of the ones who trust in me as Savior, and believe in me as a Messiah from a Jewish point of view, he says these are some behaviors, some illustrations of Old Testament law that you guys are screwing up. Okay, and we're going to look at one of them today. But here they are. Killing, adultery, divorce, swears, eye for an eye, and love. If you want to read this passage ahead of time, feel free to do that. It basically says things like, you know who you have heard of old, that. You know that it is said that. Okay, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, an eye for an eye. Jesus says, you know that old law, right? He says, let me tell you, here's what you guys are doing But here's the people you should be being in response to that law. So this is what we're going to look at today. We're going to get all of one of them done. All right? So let's keep going. This is not a contrast between Old Testament and New Testament. Okay, there's a difference. It's not saying in the Old Testament you kept the law. Now in the New Testament you don't need to keep the law. He says in the Old Testament you kept the law. Why? Because this is what I wanted you to become. Okay, Jesus said, I'm not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come, uh, excuse me, the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So that's where we're approaching this morning. That's our introduction. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're a loving God who's ready to work with messed up people. Father, not one of us are the people we need to be. Father, we're all a work in progress. And I like that. This church, church is not a a place for perfect people to come, sinless. Lord, this is a hospital. This is a place of healing. This is a place of construction. Lord, we get better because of what you're doing in our lives. And so, Father, I thank you that the stuff we're talking about here that Jesus lays out is not about if we would just keep these few commandments, we would be the people we're supposed to be. Lord, we need to do it because from the inside out, we love you and we want to do these things. Lord, there's something special when your children do things, not because they were commanded to do it, but they do it because they love you and they know it's something you would appreciate. And so, Father, I just pray you help us to understand these things. Jesus is going to lay out some pretty heavy thoughts here in the next few verses as we look at them these next couple of weeks and father it's just uh reminding ourselves there's more to being a christian than just checking a couple of boxes that father it's a it's a heart attitude and we want to understand that today so father help us be with my mind help me to say those things which would be best lord that you would use that to teach every one of us this morning what we could do better in jesus name amen All right, so we're moving on. Okay, this illustration, in this illustration, let me try that again. This is in illustration, this is not how this is supposed to be written, of how the Jews had lost sight of the spirit of the law. Not an external showing, but an attitude of the heart, internal. Jesus came to change people from the inside out. So now please step out of the church for a minute. We're not talking about a bunch of church people that Jesus is talking to. We're talking about a bunch of Jewish people who have been trying or at least told by those who were in church, in Jewish leadership, these are the things you need to do as a Jew to be a good Jewish person. Jesus comes in and says, wait a second, guys, let me sit you down. All that Old Testament law and what the Pharisees and what all these folks have been doing, I appreciate their effort, but they're missing the point. I want a change in the heart, not just the change in the behavior. Okay? Don't just cross your arms and sit down and say, I'm doing this just because God told me to do it. You're doing it because you know it's the right thing to do. Okay? Look at what it says. Next slide. Okay. This was always God's plan. The Jews just missed it. But I'll tell you what, isn't it exactly the same thing? I'd love to throw them under the bus, but I know my children, and I know other children, and I know people at work. Um, People will say, uh, what's the old phrase? People do what is inspected, not what is expected. You'll do just, you know... I'd like you, Junior, to empty the trash, please. Okay. What's the phrase that the pews use? It's like relocate it from one place. Change the trash from this trash to that trash. Okay. All right. We, we joke about that. Um, to empty the trash, right? So the kid picks up the garbage bag and garbage falls on the ground on the, around the can, right? But they go ahead and they take the can outside, the bag outside, and they drop it outside, and then they go back to playing their video games, right? And what happens? Mom and dad comes home and looks at the can. There's no bag in the can. Ding, 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 ding. Okay? And there's trash all around the can on the floor. Now, you would think, right? What would you think? A normal person would put a new bag in and maybe as they're taking the trash out, scoop the trash and put it in the bag and take it all out. You wouldn't really have to explain that, would you? You would think not. But sometimes you know how children are, right? Well, I took the trash out, just like you asked me to. Well, not all the trash. But as much as we like to think that the Jews were doing it, and how could they do it, we do the same thing. Well, you didn't tell me I had to put a new bag in it. It kind of goes with it. You didn't tell me you need to sweep up the floor and take it all out. You only asked me to do this. Well, that's what happened with the whole Jewish uh, nation. God, thou shalt not. Okay, I'm doing that. But none of the extra stuff that goes with it because my heart's not in it. Uh, Think, only mom and dad want me to take the garbage that is in the receptacle out of the house And get it ready for more garbage. Duh. But they're only doing as much as they were asked to. Okay? That's the problem. On top of that, the Jewish culture added a bunch of rules to it. Well, if God wants us to take out the trash, maybe he wants us to paint the living room too. I didn't ask you to paint the living room. I just asked you to put a new bag in the can. If it's based on what we do, we're missing the whole point, right? I ought to think, oh, I guess Mom and Dad would like this to be ready for more garbage. Okay? We're going to change it. We're going to take this trash and put new trash in there. All right? You, right? I'm trying to make illustrations. That we, sometimes we think, why would God hold us to that kind of standard? But we do the same thing every day. That God says, think, guys. I don't just want you to not lie. I just want you to live a life that you're not a deceptive person. So you didn't speak a lie, but you did a half lie. No one of my favorite ones. And this is no longer. You can't use this one, you young people. Joseph, Sam, no, you can't use this. Call your boss up. Say I, I can't make it to work today. Well, how come? The car won't start. I didn't tell him I never put the key in it. I've looked out in the driveway all day. The car hasn't started one bit. Was I lying? No, I wasn't lying. The car wouldn't start. Well, I never told him I didn't even walk out there and try to turn the key over. It's not starting. See, that's not necessarily a lie, but it's being a deceptive person. God's saying, listen, this is not about checking a box. I didn't lie. Yeah, but your purpose was deception. God says, what is in your heart? All right? Um, God didn't start the law and then see that it failed and then decided to institute grace. He didn't go, oh, I'm going to make all these rules and regulations and crud, that didn't work. Let's try something else. He put these things in place to teach us the heart attitude he wants from us. Keep going. Okay, the law was given because of a transgression. Wherefore, then serveth the law. What was the law? What was the purpose of it? It was added because of the transgression. Till the seed come, um, should come, to whom the promise was made. It was ordained by angels by the hand of a mediator. God says, you know what? I gave you the law so that you'd realize there was more to it than you can do. Just like the Ten Commandments. We can't even keep ten. God says, something else needs to get done. I'm going to send somebody to fix the problem. Keep going. So then Jesus come, right? For there is one God and one mediator between the man, uh, God and man, the man Christ Jesus. God says, here's what I expect of you, but I understand you're never going to be able to keep my expectations. But I'm going to send somebody real soon, and he'll take care of this problem. And that's Jesus. Okay, So please remember, all the Old Testament, it's not canceled out. It's just there to remind us that we needed something more than what the law had to offer. Rules and regulations ain't going to cut it. There's more to it than that. All right, keep going. So God always wanted man to have a new heart. Here in Ezekiel, look, this is Old Testament, right? A new heart also I will give you. And a new spirit I will put within you. And it will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and it will give you a heart of flesh, meaning supple, soft. God's always wanted us to have it in our heart, not just do it on the outside. Okay, God says, "Listen, I want you guys to have a new heart. I want the change to come inside out." Um. Had a guy that I was discipling. Asked me, said, Pastor, I want to get a tattoo. I want to get a big tattoo that says, Jesus saves. Wouldn't that be great? And I said, if you think that that is going to help you to share your faith with others, then go right ahead. It's up to you. Now, inside, I'm going, what a stupid question is that? Inside, I'm looking at him going, why would you even think of doing something like that? Okay? You can put it on a shirt. You can wear a hat. You're going to permanently put it on your arm? But that was my own idea, right? I could have said, absolutely not, you stupid. What's wrong with you? But then he would have done what? He would have made the outside look like what I wanted it to look like. The thing I wanted him to do is say, what does God want from me on the inside? And at the time, he had a nose ring and an earring and a tongue ring and a chain. No, I didn't have the chain. But you know what I finally saw? I kept saying, listen, man, you know, you do what God is laying on your heart to do. He wants to use you. And whatever he is telling you to do, to use you. And you know what happened? The Nose ring disappeared tongue ring disappeared never got the tattoo now again please don't i'm not telling you what to do or what not to do i'm just telling you he began to ask himself from his heart what does god really want from me i can do an external service right Like uh, i'll go join the peace corps and god will be happy with me listen if it's something that you know in your heart you want to do because you love god then okay But if you're just doing it because somebody else told you to do it, I'm telling you there are churches in session right at this very moment that the people walk every day of their lives depending on what the person behind the pulpit tells them to do. You must do this. You must pray that. You must give this. You must, And as long as you do what I'm told. You know what's great about my kids? I had to set laws in my house. Right? Bedtimes. Please, no bowling in the living room. Do not try to make your bedroom into a swimming pool. You know, just common sense things, right? But they're grown up now. You know how many rules I need to set in their house? Because once you get to a point where they are on their own, now it's their job to set their own rules. And I watch them maybe staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning playing video games and go, I'm so tired I can't sleep. And they'll say, well, maybe if you weren't playing video games until 2 in the morning, you'd sleep better. Yeah, watch them drive down the highway at 175 million miles an hour and go, you're going to kill yourself. And then they get, woo, pulled over and you go, in your mind you're going, I told you better than that. But you have to let them do it on their own, right? Because that's what being a grown-up is. This is what Jesus is saying. Remember he said, The law is like your schoolmaster. When you were a child, you needed teachers, you needed people in your life to set guidelines for you. But he said once Jesus came and you guys grew up, you can make your decisions in your own heart now. That's the most awesome part of serving God is I don't have to follow a checklist to make him happy. I love him and that's why I want to make him happy. That's the cool thing is a birthday just came by, and when you 're uh, my birthday, when you're a dad and you have little kids and they're seven and eight and whatever they're like, "Here, Daddy, I drew you this picture. why? Because Mommy made me sit down and draw you this picture um, for your birthday, but now they're all grown ups, and they're like, "Here, Dad, this is what we bought you for your birthday present and it's just like, "Wow, they did it because they not because they had to because Mommy said, "Sit down." Of course, mom might have called them on the phone and said, you're going to buy your father one of these for his birthday. But they do things because of love, not because of necessity. That's all that Jesus is asking for. So let's keep going. The law, thou shalt not kill. So this is what it says. Jesus says, listen, let's read the verses together. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old times. So Jesus is, and he is quoting from the Ten Commandments, right? So even though Jesus says, you know, this, he doesn't say this is the Ten Commandments. He says, you know, the kind of stuff they talked about in those old days? Listen, that's how he's saying this. Thou shalt not kill... And whosoever uh, shall kill is in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring a gift to the altar, we'll cover that in a couple minutes. Okay. So, Jesus says, All right, here's the Old Testament law. Remember, it used to be said this way, Thou shalt not kill. Well, Jesus says, I got some info for you. We're going to fill in a couple of blanks here. Oh, uh, do notice, and uh, this is an interesting point, just for those who are in our world today, there are a lot of liberal Christians that don't like to talk about hell. When you say to somebody, You know, if you don't get your life straightened out, I'm sorry. Every, every person who is born is on their way to hell because of sin. Jesus already sent a rescue mission, except Jesus' offer, but Jesus spent twice as much time talking about hell than he did about heaven. And there's a bunch of softies out there. Oh, oh, wait, Jesus is all about love and about heaven and about life eternal. Jesus also was about hell and damnation and eternal punishment. You cannot separate the two. And here Jesus goes ahead and says three times in this passage, you can go go read it later, okay, that there is you're in danger of hell fire. But there's a lot of folks nowadays that want like to talk about that. God is love and everything's mushy and gushy, but he wants to remind us that there is punishment. Sin has a consequence. Again, that's not the end of the story. Jesus fixes sin, take the fix. Okay, you ever get a recall on your car? Okay, your brakes will fail. Bring it in, give it to them, get, what are they going to do? They're going to fix it. No, I think I'll just wait till the brakes fail. Well, we got a sin problem. It's going to take us to hell, but there's a cure, there's a fix. Trust Jesus, he'll fix it, and it's done with. It's not that hard, but people don't get it. There is a hell, okay? Keep going. So the issue is, without a cause, are you going to kill somebody, murder somebody, manslaughter... Notice the phrase there. If you are angry with your brother without a cause. So get the comparison. Jesus says, Listen, you didn't take their life, but if you're angry with them to the point, I don't mean the anger we talk about today, right? I'm angry because my internet is down. No, we're talking about this hatred, this such a, a violent seething anger that you're ready to kill somebody if you have that kind of feeling in your heart that people are worthless and useless and don't even deserve to live Jesus says you be careful because you're basically have killed them in your heart but I want you to notice something here and I put this purposely there are some Bibles that you will read will do not have that phrase without a cause in it um, let me remind you of something Anger is okay. There are those in this world who will say, teach you that you must always be happy with people and never get angry. <clears throat> Wrong. Okay, the Bible here says, if you are angry without a cause, there are some times where it's worth getting angry about. Okay, now that doesn't mean you go out and carry out whatever's in your mind. okay. As I just told you a couple of minutes ago, there are certain people. But you gotta be careful. If you're that angry in your mind, Jesus said it's not about the act that you killed them. What have you done in your heart? Now look, Jesus, oops, nope, keep going back. All right, um this says, be angry and sin not. So does that tell you, like it tells me, you can actually be angry? and sin not you could be angry and not sin okay but he says listen don't let the sun go down upon your wrath don't harbor that anger deal with it uh we've said it before best way to illustrate this in my mind because i struggled with anger a lot when i was younger is anger is a flashing red light on your dashboard okay that flashing red light comes on what do you do you pull over, you put the, put the code reader in, and you go right to the shop and find out why you're, there's a light flashing. You don't go, oh, look, a red light. Some people might. If you've got a red light on your dashboard, check it. Okay? That's generally why it says, check engine light. Okay? That's what anger is. Anger is a response because something is not correct. So fix it. But you can actually be angry and sin not. God himself psalms if anger was wrong then we got a big problem with God's word and with our heavenly father because it says he's angry with the wicked every day if anger was wrong then God's wrong God's never wrong okay God is sinless he's perfect but God gets angry So I just wanted to clarify that because there are those that tell you walk around these little softies. Oh, you can't be angry. That's just not godly. Sorry. Yes, it is. If you're angry for the right reasons. If you're angry without a cause, just because you're an angry person or just because something hit you personally. But if there's a cause, if there's something that you know violates God's word and it makes you upset, that's all right. Just be careful how you respond to that. So, because this is what Jesus is talking about. If you are angry without a cause, and you want to kill somebody, you want to cause them physical hurt, you want to demean them and degrade them, you that's where Jesus said, listen, you're missing the point. Yeah, you haven't physically stopped their heart from beating, but you're still violating this law. Keep going. The Jewish culture, raka, or reka, was uh, someone that was thought to be beneath you. Okay? Um, it was... You were belittling a person. It was a, an attack on somebody's character. Was, you just didn't uh, think they were worth it. <sighs> Guilty as charged. How about you? You ever run into somebody, you hear something on the news, or or there's st- talk on it online... And somebody comes out with just such a ridiculous statement, and you just think, what an idiot. <laughs> and you begin to think, posture yourself that you're better than them. And this is important because not only in the Jewish culture, but a lot of times in Christian cultures, this exact thing happens. We think because we go to church, because we know the Lord is Savior, because we're here whenever the doors are open, because we read our Bible and pray, that we're better than somebody else. Be careful. Jesus says, yeah, you may not kill somebody, but if you have the wrong heart attitude towards somebody, you're just as guilty. That's why we are famous here for saying, we're all sinners. This guy... I don't stand up here because I'm better than anybody. I stand up here because God said, here, take the steering wheel this morning. You drive. But we're all a mess. And the moment we think we're better than somebody else, that's what this Raka thing is. Um, Keep going. Fool. So one is talking about someone's intelligence, that they're an idiot. This one is talking about the fact that they are uh, what's the phrase that got used there? Someone's character, they are less than you as, in their being. Not just they're not as intelligent, they're just less human than you. We can talk about the whole racial issue if we wanted to here. But God says, now, I want to point this out. A fool in the Bible is somebody who says there's no God. Right? That's the definition of a fool. Right? The fool has said in his heart there is no God. But I want to warn us, I have grown up in in churches where if I walked up to Pete and said, Peter, you're a fool, that, oh, you're going to go to hell because you just called him a fool. That's not the issue. Again, do you see that? I I use the word F-O-O-L. I'm in trouble. That's not the issue. The issue is what does my heart feel? If I feel and I'm thinking he's a lower class person than me, that's the issue. Not if I pronounce the word that rhymes with cool or pool or tool. But there are some people who take this to the letter of the law and say if you literally say the word fool to someone else, you're in big trouble. Well, then the word of God's in big trouble. Keep going. Look at what Paul said. Paul, to the Corinthians said, thou fool. Uh, uh, Paul's guilty of the judgment, man. He's in trouble. What about Jesus? Jesus said, oh fools and slow of heart. Uh, Jesus called people fools. So if the issue is using the word fool, then Jesus is in trouble. You get the point? It's not about using a word. It is about the attitude of a heart. That's Jesus' point here all through this. He says, Okay, so you didn't kill anybody. But what do you think about other people? Are they beneath you? Are you better than them? Are you judgmental? Jesus said, you're missing the point. We are all sinners. We are all a mess. There's not one of us that get a gradient to say, I'm up here. And you know what's funny is how many times when we're talking to somebody about salvation, their response is, well, I'm not as bad as that guy and jesus said you're right at the edge man you don't understand you're guilty of the judgment here if you think by some behavior in your life you're better than somebody else shame on you that's jesus point yeah you ain't killed anybody but watch how you think about other people watch how you treat other people keep going the judgment, the counsel. Now, please remember, what judgment? What counsel? Okay, this is spoken to a bunch of Jews. Okay, this is talking about a legal action taken in a kingdom, in a courtroom, all right? We're not talking about eternal fire. Because here's the thing. Um, if you ask Jesus to be your savior, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are his child. That will never change, right? You can't be unborn. But if we don't take this in context who this is talking about pastor just called peter a fool now he's going to be judged for hellfire no this is a jewish context written to jewish people this is not written to the church so i can call peter a fool as much as i want right no you see the point this again if we don't remember because people will take this passage and and try to apply this to the new testament church today and it messes everything up because oh my goodness now i'm going to what council what judgment listen my judgment was taken on calvary and if you accepted jesus christ as your savior your judgment was taken on calvary too he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of god in him This is talking about a Jewish group of people saying, folks, you better watch out. In this kingdom that I I am Messiah over this earthly kingdom that's been promised for years, if you treat your brother this way, you're going to be brought before the council. There will be a judgment on you, not heavenly for Christians, but this is about a Jewish kingdom. You with me? Say yes, even if you don't understand. Okay, good. All right, good. All right, keep going. The spirit of the law taught by Jesus. Murder is done in the heart, not with the hands. It's how you treat people, how you think about people, how you consider people. That's what Jesus is talking about. Keep going. For a Jewish person, next section. He says, if you're going to go to the... I want to cover this because this is all under this same thought. Look at verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring a gift to the altar... And remember that thy brother hath wrought against thee. Leave there the gift before the altar and go. Be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. Now again, this is something, this is a Jewish thing. Sometimes in the church we call this an altar, right? Come down to the good old-fashioned altar and pray. Um, that's not what this altar is. This is the Jewish altar the, in the temple. If you were going to come and bring a sacrifice... Bring a gift for God. God says, "Wait a second. You better go fix your problem with your brother first. If you got an ought, if you got a problem, if you got a right, it's Mother's Day. How many of you taking doing something with your mom or somebody in your family for Mother's Day? See, I'm hoping to take my wife and do something this afternoon, maybe with the kids. Okay, but you know what would be weird." if my wife and I had a big fight this morning. Well, we didn't, because I'd have a black eye. But if we had a big fight, and all of a sudden church is over, and I'm like, okay, dear, great, let's go out and celebrate Mother's Day. She's gonna look at me and go, you gotta be crazy. (laughs) Why? Because we have an ought with one another. I gotta fix that before we can have a proper relationship. Well, God says, listen, if you know you have an issue with your brother or somebody that you know, fix that first, because I don't want your offering until you've done with this. Now, please remember, this is an issue of the heart in how we treat one another. God grows right from the beginning and says, listen, this is not a doubt about just killing somebody. This is how you look at other people. You think you're better than them? No, and to the point, even if you have an issue with the brother, go fix that first. Don't let that lay there. You ought to get rid of it. Don't expect that you're going to have a proper relationship with me as your God if you've got a broken relationship with somebody else. A lot more to this thou shalt not kill, isn't there? Jesus says even if you've got a little bit of problem between you and a brother, you better go fix that. Because a broken relationship is just as bad as killing somebody. You see how you don't just check a box. It's a heart issue. God says, listen, be transformed. It's more about how you treat people than just killing them, all right? Notice, uh, our altar is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah for that, okay? He, on the cross, took our sins and exchanged it for his righteousness. How awesome is that? But before, you better make it right before you have a sacrifice. This is all qualified by Jesus under thou shalt not kill keep going the spirit of the law taught by jesus our correct relationship with god is affected by our relationship with others if you got a problem with somebody fix it now don't let it keep going be angry and sin sin not let not the sun go down upon thy wrath jesus said you know what you guys think you understood thou shalt not kill Every broken relationship that you have affects your relationship with God. Because if you have an unforgiving spirit towards somebody else, how do you expect God to have a forgiving spirit toward you? And you say, Pastor, wait a second. What does the Lord's Prayer say? And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you're going to hold grudges against somebody else, what do you think God's going to do? you think God's going to be okay with that? No. Get it right. Fix it. Okay, keep going. So he gives a little advice about business. And there's a whole lot here. (laughs) I'm already longer than I wanted to be. Look what it says. Um, Agree with the adversary quickly whilst thou are in the way with him, lest at any time... The adversary deliver you to the judge and offer uh, and the judge deliver thee to the officer and cast thou you into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Now this is a business relationship. He says, listen, if you're dealing with somebody and this adversary here is not, I hope you don't do business with adversaries. What this means is somebody in court. An opponent in a lawsuit. He says, listen, if you've made an arrangement with somebody in a business dealing and you're not keeping up your end of the bargain, fix it. Keep up your end of the bargain. Don't vow a vow and not keep it. If you made a promise, keep your promise. Why? Because you represent God. This is a hard attitude, right? This is how you treat people. God says, Thou shalt not kill is not about just stopping somebody's heart from beating. It is how you relate to the people around you. Are you being the kind of person that represents the Lord Jesus Christ? Do You think you're better than somebody? Do you have issues with people you don't want to fix them? You got aught with somebody? To the point where he says, listen, if you made a promise to somebody, keep it. If you're going to go to court, listen, you better fix it before he throws you in jail. And then if he throws you in jail... Don't sit there and go, I need, Lord, please get me out of jail. He says, pay what you owe. Now, there's a whole other passage in Corinthians that deals with relationships between Christians and the law. We could talk about that some other time. But you see how Jesus is taking this thou shalt not kill and saying, oh, yeah, you haven't murdered anybody. And breaking it down to saying, you guys don't understand the heart of this, the spirit of this. I want your life to reflect a person who knows how to be in a loving relationship with God. That you can know how to be in a loving relationship with other people. Look at it, Luke says something very similar to this. Okay. When thou goest with thy adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou may deliver, be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge. Okay. And the judge deliver thee to the officer, and he cast you into prison. I tell ye, you shall not depart from thence till thou hast paid every last might. Jesus says, if you made a promise to somebody, keep your promise. That's the kind of people Jesus wants to represent him in his kingdom. Well, pastor, I ain't killed anybody. There's A lot more to it than that, isn't there? God wants the heart attitude to be different. A little bit, and we're done. God is more interested in you being what he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. And as we continue to go through this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminding us, listen, the things that you heard of old times about thou shalt not kill, there's more to it than that. God says, listen, live for me from the inside out. Be the kind of person that God wants you to be. Okay, now, I told you I'd remind you this every week, so here it comes. The king gives a call. You thought you were away from it because I didn't put it on the first slide, didn't you? okay. God makes a call for every one of us. Number one, he calls you to salvation. Are you a believer? Have you exchanged that sin that he paid for for his righteousness? Do you have eternal forgiveness? Are you one of his kids? Number two, he calls you to service. Where are you? Are you serving him? Or are you just sitting back going, oh, I got the fire escape all set. Maybe you are serving. And God says, "Uh, it's time to stop just doing little things for him, but now it's time to maybe separate yourself to some sacrifice and say you know what lord no matter what happens from this day forward i'm going to serve you there's nothing that's going to stop me then once you make that commitment he says now i can make you a leader and then finally and this is the thing i asked for prayer this is the thing i started with again with the song we were singing go out and share your faith with someone if you're going to be one of God's kids. He wants you to shepherd his flock. He wants you to take this book and share it with other people. That may be they've never known Jesus the Savior. That might be you guys have known the Lord for years. And you just sat down and talk about God's word together. Share your faith. I told you I was going to keep reminding you. You're going to get so sick and tired of that. Okay, you're going to blink your eyes and see it in your sleep. But it's because there's a growth process. Okay. Um, I had children that were born. As they got a little older, they learned how to make their bed. They learned how to do things. Then, all of a sudden, they realized that they can be a part of the family and some of the things that they were doing, and they would sacrifice their time and their heart and their life. Then, all of a sudden, they go off to college, and they're separated, and they're about to become their own leaders in their house. And then, before you know it, they're parents on their own leading their own family. This is not something that's new. This is something that God's designed from the very beginning. Where are you in your growth? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, Jesus goes ahead and fine-tunes a lot of these Old Testament requirements that were in the law. And we saw one today, Father. Not just about not killing somebody. Lord, Is what is our heart attitude to other people in our lives? Do we think we're better than them? Do we look down at them because we have a relationship with God and they don't? Because we have health or wealth? or God warns us that that's not the kind of hard attitude He wants to see in His people. Father, maybe it's because, um, Lord, we have issues with a brother or sister that we haven't dealt with and we've continued to let them be that canker that's there lord we have broken fellowship and we wonder why sometimes we don't feel close to god and god's saying listen please fix those things in your life the relationships that you have i gave you those relationships so that you can minister in my name fix it and then lord maybe it's because we've made vows to people we've made promises and Lord, we're trying to get out of it. We're trying to break our word. And that's not the kind of person that represents our Lord because God never breaks a promise. Everything that God has ever said is absolutely true and he will fulfill it to the T. And he wants to see that same thing out of us. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus helping us to understand some of these Old Testament commandments, the letter of the law, but how it's supposed to be in our the spirit of all inside of us coming out. Father, help us this week to go tell somebody about our faith. Share it with somebody. Lord, help it to become from the inside out. You are more interested in us being who we're supposed to be than just doing what we're supposed to do. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs)